0: Brilliant Minds is so much more than a two-day creativity and thought leadership gathering in Stockholm. It's a 365-day, year-round journey. It's the journey of our founders, Spotify's Daniel Eck and Ash Pornori, the journey of our board, team members, the young entrepreneurs we meet year-round whose ideas will change the world. In a small way, it's also my journey, my journey as CEO, as a working mother, as a child of immigrants, as a person who really believes that bringing people together and uplifting each other can make the world better, this podcast is our collective journey. Brilliant Minds is about building collective voice and community everywhere we go and sharing the bold voices in that community who aren't afraid to challenge the way things have always been done in order to create things that have never been imagined before. In this podcast, I hope you join me in cities around the world where I'll exclusively interview some of the most creative people, men and women, young and old, across all sectors, fashion, art, tech, music, science, business, food, people that share the values of brilliant minds like transparency, gender equality, social justice, compassion, and a love of the environment. People that aren't afraid to use their voice for change. Follow me at other great tech events, art summits, media gatherings, where I'll give you an inside scoop on where the future is going and how you can help shape it. Join me in the Brilliant Minds podcast on the go around the world. I can't wait to hear what you think along the way. In 2008, Sally Krawcheck was fired from Citigroup as the head of Citigroup's Wealth Management Unit. At the time, it was said this was because of months of tension with Chief Executive Vikram Pandit. Years later, in 2016, Sally finally told the truth about leaving the top job. I was fired because I was a woman. Nowadays, Sally is running her own company, Elevate, to help women with their financials and connect digitally. Sally founded the company as she had realized the investment industry has been frankly by men and for men and has been historically kept women from achieving their financial goals. I met Sally for a really open-hearted interview in New York City. Please enjoy. This one is incredible. So the First thing, Sally, I'd love to start with is this concept. I mean, you've done so much, so it's not easy to find (laughs) the first thing to do. But um, I think it really struck me the way you were describing your book. And I was listening to your Elevate podcast, which is Mm -hmm. awesome. And Christy Wallace will be coming to a dinner we're having this week and speaking. And I think it's just exactly what we need. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I loved the aspect of, you know, own it, your new Mm -hmm. book, Mm. especially the part that says, you know, we've heard this a little bit already with the Athena doctrine, but that women's skills are really made for this time and that we're in this time of transformation, right? Mm So, so how do you keep up? How do you adapt? And I've always said this, like I I have this funny discussion with my, my husband all the time. I say, I think women are, we become a wife, we become a
1: mother. We Mm. have to
0: change all the time.
1: All the time. All the time. And
0: finally, it's our moment.
1: Right. All the time. I I know. I know. And yet it's interesting because so much of the advice to women these days, whether it's the books that are out there, the webcasts that are out there, the performance reviews that we get in, in our companies are all about telling us to act like men, to be more confident, to be more certain, to be more assertive, to take the seat at the table. I spent my career being told to act like a man. And... And, and actually, the big moments in my career were the times when I rejected that and really acted like a woman, when I was the only Wall Street executive to return client funds in the downturn, because we'd made a mistake. Mm. I drew upon what the research tells us are very feminine qualities and characteristics of that relationship orientation, that long-term perspective, that recognition that we are in business not just to make money, but for meaning and purpose to make the world a better place and you know we don't necessarily talk about those things on a day-to-day basis but these are skills along with women's ability to see things holistically along with our relationship I mean relationship orientation long-term risk awareness that we bring to the party that we shouldn't try to dampen we should allow those things to go free, <laughs> go yeah. free, be free. <laughs>
0: I love that, that's always my mantra. But I mean, I, I completely agree with you, but I'm sure you've had this experience and I have even in my short amount of time, but that doesn't always work. No,
1: no, Sometimes you I got fall fired. On your face. Yeah. <laughs> I got fired for it, I got fired for it. So no, it, it hasn't always worked. What I would say though, is that the industry in which I worked which is the most male of businesses. And by the way, I always like to make clear, I love men. I've been married to a couple of them. I think they're amazing, (laughs) amazing. But there's, you know, too much dessert is a bad thing. Too many people who are exactly the same in that industry, middle-aged, Caucasian, male, Ivy League educated, mathematically oriented, analytically oriented, testosterone fueled men, you and i and every one of your listeners knows deep in our heart that if those trading floors had had more women mm-hmm. on them, had had more people of color, more people mm-hmm. of difference, more people from different backgrounds, from different countries, you know, a few folks who hadn't gone to, you know, Stanford and Wharton so- and, and and Chicago and so on, that the crisis would have been Substantially less severe. We all know it, and so part of the point I make with the book is I live that extreme, right? I live that extreme. Is that what we want? Um, you know, is that what's best for business? And the research is really clear that the, d- the diversity that different backgrounds drives is a positive for business. The research is clear.
0: Why aren't people getting it faster? Because
1: I mean- it's theoretical. Uh, because it's my return on equity could be a lot higher. My uh, customer focus could be a lot greater. My employee engagement could be a lot greater. There could be more innovation. If I had this stuff, gosh, that sounds great. You know, that actually means that I can't manage everybody the same, Mm -hmm. that I have to then really work hard to manage people differently, you know? intuitively and I you know so many of us managed by the gut believe that that guy who reminds me so darn much of my younger self I mean he has that brown hair the same way I did when I was a whippersnapper he wears glasses just like mine there's just no way you can tell me that that person of color from a different country of a different gender of a different sexual orientation there's just no way you can tell me that they are going to do a better job than that person who reminds me of themselves and then they don't There's no punishment for it. And so it's the theoretical, it's easier to do it this way. And the final thing is, I think our companies put in place these performance management systems that um, really push us toward acting like men, really, you know, reward us for being certain and making the case. What's an
0: example of that? Oh, I
1: saw it all the time when I was at, at the financial services companies. You know, you get ranked on how certain you were, how good you were at making the case, how forceful you were. Um, Nobody said way to go. Um, If you said, you know, I'm not really sure, let's bounce this idea around. And why did they do that? Because they looked at who was in charge before and they said, well, that's what success looks like. So let's replicate that instead of that's what one form of success looks like. Maybe another form will be better for the next leader. Or maybe the leader should have this, but other people on the team should have different qualities. And so. I just think, and, and again, it's all theoretical. It's all theoretical.
0: Is finance especially bad? Yes. Or do you think this is pretty universal? I mean, you know, we'll get into politics or
1: other things later, but. Yeah, you know, tech, my, late, my women friends in mm-hmm. tech, we sometimes, something will happen over there and I'll call them and say, no, you're trying to make finance look good. <laughs> but <laughs> it's an extreme. If you look at the numbers, financial advisors are 86% male. Um, so that's an extreme number. Um, if you look at trading floors, they are the vast majority of male. You look at investment bankers, the vast majority of mail, and certainly the senior levels. But it's a, you know, I, I sort of think of it as an extreme version of capitalism and companies overall, that they are more that way, um, but mm-hmm. that others still have a long way to go. I mean, let's face it, we aren't as far forward on diversity in business, gender diversity in business, as we thought we would be when, say, Lean In came out. I don't think we've bunched. Um, we have not made a lot of progress. Uh, and,
0: you know, it's interesting because I I mentioned before we started the interview that I had lived in Sweden and they have these amazing parental even these different... But even beyond that, I think the aspect that was interesting is just the values are really focused societally in consensus, collaboration. It's very flat. Mm-hmm. Even in the tech industries where our inter- tech people, I think, can pretend to be flat, but they're really not. Right. Um, it's really transparent. And... I had a real eye-opening experience there, and we brought President Obama there. He came to visit and did a lot on tech while he visited us. And I had this awakening that there was something special, that the values of the millennial generation and this quote-unquote Nordic way, which is all about basically trying to be as diverse and equal as possible, mm-hmm. and the way the president was trying to lead, were really in this perfect symbiosis. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm saying all this with a bit of hope, a dash of optimism, and also do you think this young generation in America, I mean, I'm 31, even people younger than me, and my brother's 19, mm-hmm. I look at the way he approaches things, and I have a lot of hope.
1: I hope so. Um, I, or I, do they
0: hit 35 and kind of fall well, out? Well,
1: <laughs> well, well, I hope so. And my son is the biggest feminist around. That being said, I will tell you that when I was a bit younger than you and your age, I thought, it's over. It's over. It's over. Look at me, here I am on Wall Street. There are plenty of women, there are plenty of guys, everybody seems to be perfectly happy to have me around. We're good. And then I sort of went under in my 30s. I had two small kids, I had two stepkids, I had two cats. Wow. <laughs> I was trying to be, you know, become a number one ranked analyst. I wanted to be director of research. You know, I mean, just going, I was going nuts, right? Pictures of me from then, you do not want to see them. I mean, <laughs> so tired. And then you sort of pop out in your mid-40s when the kids are old enough that you can catch your breath, and you look around and you say, where did all the other friggin' women go? Yeah. Where did they go? Now, what Gloria Steinem says about this is that, yeah, the guys love having us around when we're at our sexual peak. I'm like, Gloria, I never would have said it that way, but okay. But then once you you sort of get a little bit older and not so attractive... <laughs> They're sort of like, you know, I'm not sure about that. And that we've been lulled in the sense of it's okay. And so she says women are the only group that become more radical as they age. What I am hopeful. So darn it, right? Darn it. That's so depressing. What I am hopeful about is that we we talked earlier. Women bring great qualities to work. The power of diversity is Mm -hmm. diversity. Not having us act like men. And I, I think at some point, that just reaches a tipping point. At some point, boards say, guys, you know, come on, right? Enough of the, we can't find a qualified woman. There just aren't any, right? Enough. There's got to be one out
0: there. I still hear that all the time. All
1: <laughs> the time.
0: Even from my all enlightened millennial tech founder. the time. Yeah.
1: But it's but more, imp- as or more importantly, women today are ha- more than half the workforce. Women today direct 80% of consumer spending. Women today control $5 trillion of investable Mm -hmm. assets and jointly control another six. For years, yeah, we had that power, but what were you gonna do with it? Well, here's what we can do today. We have the information to work for companies that advance us. We can see that now. There are all sorts of startups out there that will give us that information. We have the information to buy from companies that align with our values. There are startups out there, buy up, index, done good, where we can see who we buy from. We can invest in companies that align with our values. The Pax Elevate Global Women's Index Fund, full disclosure, I'm a partial owner, invests in the top rated companies for advancing women. And then very importantly, when I was going through this and, and when I was younger, you know, if company didn't treat me well, I didn't have much choice. I could stay, I could go work for another company, I didn't know that much, or I could go home now, I can start my own business because the cost is coming down so much, or I can have a non-conventional career path in which I freelance part-time, mm. etc. So for professional women, and I recognize not for every woman or every man, but for professional women, our options are so much greater. We have the power, and now we actually have a way to use the power.
0: Absolutely. I'm so happy you, you you touched on that because I've always thought entrepreneurship is the ultimate form of empowerment. Oh. I mean, I saw, and growing up, my parents were immigrants from Eastern Europe, south side of Chicago, very humble beginnings. But I saw them, not only did they have full time jobs and they were being fired all the time, but I saw it. them starting <laughs> their own businesses yeah. on the side. They were working day and night and they made it.
1: And American then the market decides. Yeah. Yeah. And then the market decides. I was really fortunate. I started on Wall Street, as a, first as an investment banker, I was not successful. I didn't understand the teams, I didn't understand how to get on the right project, I didn't understand how to take credit when, the t- when it went well, and I didn't run fast enough when it went badly. But when I became a research analyst, all of that fell away because it was clear, My advice either made people money or didn't. And nobody cared that I wrote the research report at 9 o'clock on a Saturday night when my baby was sleeping. They just didn't, versus Thursday Mm. afternoon in the office. And so I was able to get rid of that gender stuff. Mm. And am I successful or not? And I could have been unsuccessful. Happily, I was successful. Entrepreneurialism is scary as hell. Even at my age, scary as hell i woke up this morning i'm telling you i was up at 4:30 this morning i'm starting my my the side of my cheek is starting to quiver <laughs> Mike, is this a terrible disease or is this nerves and so i've i've almost confirmed to myself it's nerves yeah i'm sure your your um, listeners will so will write in and, and <laughs> say and say i i think she's actually got bells you know some kind of terrible disease or something but it's scary as hell but the market decides mm-hmm. and it, you know, you're, you're so fully alive with it if you're fortunate enough to be able to do it.
0: Absolutely. And I think that um, I want to step back a bit. And you've had such a storied life and career, and you, you talk about it very, you're probably sick of talking about it a bit. But <laughs> I do want to say two questions. The first, you said, I wish I could take credit for things better. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you take credit for things, well, as a woman? Because I think it's still it's such a damn dance. You oh, know? it's 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 a and disaster. And ask for money and ask for it's ratings. a disaster. It's, it's like a disaster. A one in five chance otherwise, it's
1: totally disaster. So taking credit is very difficult. There's research that I only recently came across that women who appear to be looking for power or attention um, evoke the emotion of disgust. <laughs> disgust and moral outrage among men and women. Oh my gosh. And, and of course you look at totally Hillary Clinton who everybody loves when she's in power and everybody hates when she appears to be looking for power. And by the way, think about how, how we as women talk about When we get business opportunities, how many times have you heard a woman say, and then my phone rang and somebody asked me to do this job and I was, oh, okay, I'll do it. You never hear a woman say, I raised my hand, I looked for the job. Because we intuitively know, we have been socialized, that women who take credit, look for credit, look for attention, look for power, are punished for it. What the hell do we do about that? What we do about that is we talk about it. That I don't have a better solution. That by saying it, you and I hope your your listeners will say. And there's the police coming to get me for for talking yeah. about it right there. Not only is it discussed, we're in New York, and so the police <laughs> come the police or an ambulance or something. Um, but that you know I don't have a better way. But the research shows that by bringing it up, and then then it negates it. Then people say, okay, you're right, huh? Interesting. Let me pull back that gender bias. That was ingrained in me at the age of 18 months. Okay, got it, right? So it's hard to take credit for something. I And I found, you know, it's funny. I haven't talked to anybody about this. I found when I used to write those research reports, when I was in, I mean, 30, 31, 32, 33, I would never say I. Never I, you know, my research shows I believe I will upgrade it was always we and my director of research said who the hell is we and I was like it's the royal we it's me myself and i but there was something i almost intuitively knew if i was saying i that it was like whoa who are you we you know we was a better word
0: but it's almost impossible not to fall into that and i i agree with you and i can't tell you how many mentors i've had that say you know because I do this very frequently, whether it's on social media or if I'm giving a speech, I kind of bring myself down at the beginning and kind of the whole self-effacing. And I am quite humble. I mean, mm-hmm. I have this, you know, bipolar. Right. I hate myself. I love myself. Right, right. Many of us do. It. I got it. I got it. But mm-hmm. I get the support from my mentors. Why are you doing that? Don't bring yourself. Own it. Own it. When I own it, I can't tell you the amount of knives that come out. Because you, know, you get honestly. the backlash.
1: You uh, get. That backlash of who is she, who does she I don't think say she is?
0: We, you don't know how many knives come out. So I know. I
1: know. That's really why we tough. have to talk. Why we have to have what I call the courageous conversations around them. I
0: love that you say. And
1: that. we have to support other women. You know, and I actually started to write my New Year's resolution. I this year am going to support every woman I can. I'm going to support women who. Um, take too much credit. I'm going to support women who are trying to do stuff that they haven't earned yet. I'm going to support women who dress too scantily for my taste. I'm going to support women who I think wear too much makeup. I'm going to support women who I think are too girly and too giggly. I'm going to support women who upspeak. The research shows that we historically have been on this very narrow tightrope in which we can't be too aggressive or too passive. And this year I'm going to talk about I'm going to support all women and we're going to own, get it, hashtag own it, <laughs> You know the fact that we also have different personalities because here's the problem. I was thinking about this yesterday. The problem is acting like people who are not ourselves is exhausting. That's why, oh, you know, sure women leave because they didn't get the promotion and sure women leave because the second baby has got colic and they're exhausted. But, you know, the thing we're not talking about at all is that women go home because they're tired of having to act Absolutely. like somebody they are not day after day after day after day after day that they come in and have to be forceful and assertive, Absolutely. you know, and then still get the backlash.
0: I always say I, I live and work primarily in Washington, D.C., or I travel a lot, I mostly live and I work here. Mm-hmm in um, Washington DC is full of women and I used to think it's they opted out because it was too hard. The jobs are so demanding, there's no no right. maternity leave, nothing. Then I had a few few mentors. Um, I had my child quite young. I was twenty four. She's now seven. Oh my and gosh. Eight. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, I thought How I would never work again. I went through like the worst depression of my mm-hmm. life. I mean a really bad post you know postpartum. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. If it wasn't for people like Mika, like my my mother in law, my mother, and older women That's that tough. had done it that really pushed me. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to get better. Don't stop keeping My mother
1: about. said the Thank same thing. God. I yeah. cried after my daughter was born, and I was trying to become a successful research analyst. And I sat, and my mom was a, a work inside the home mom, um, who I thought didn't get this at all, crying outside a restaurant. Mom, I've got the baby. I want to be a great research analyst. I've got the toddler. I'm so tired. I can't do this, she, and she said, of course you can do this, you're just going to be exhausted fantastic. for a while, and I was like, oh, That's okay, fantastic. okay, mom, if you say so, I'll be exhausted for a while, and I was. That's
0: fantastic, <laughs> Not because you're, you're tired, and you're also fighting all the time, faking and fighting, I like mm-hmm. to say, mm-hmm. um, and there's no support, I, I read, yeah. or you, you said in an interview earlier on that you were a stay-at-home mom at 29, mm-hmm. and you went through like 13 or 14 interviews, and there was even a uh, company that didn't hire you because... You were Oh, a mom. no,
1: they gave me an offer and took it back yes. when they found out I had a baby. And I mean, it was nuts. It and did. by the way, I said, you wouldn't do this if it were a guy. Oh, I said, you, would you, you wouldn't do this if, if I were a man. And they said, oh, no, of, cor- of, course <laughs> of course we wouldn't do it if you were a man. And I called my mom then, too, and I said, should I sue him? And she said, and she was right, she said, the you freedom. sue him, you'll never work a day in your life.
0: That's too bad. A day but it's true. in your life, it's
1: true. It w- it certainly was true at the time. Mm. I mean,
0: it's still if you don't have, and I, that's why I'm so dedicated to, it, and I applaud companies mm. like Spotify and some of the things happening. Is they're giving parental leave, and they, even with that, we're still having the kids. I didn't, I moved my father. He retired, mm-hmm. lives separately from my mom, even though they're married. All my friends are. Like, are they still married? Yes. Okay. They're yeah. immigrant parents. They do it because that's their way. Good. They support. Good. Family. If I didn't have him at home, I couldn't work. Even if I had a live in, mean, it's not the same. I know. So I say all this because, you know, there's a lot of working women in Europe and here that listen to this. And maybe there's a lot of the same advice. But really, how did you do it? Did you not have, were you guilty? Did you have no. help? I mean, no, mean What was the of course puzzle looking like for Of you?
1: course I had help.
0: Thank God you say that. Of okay.
1: course I did. And And look, this is where being a professional woman, we were so fortunate. Because there was a period of time in which we had what we call man-to-man defense. We had two babysitters for two children. Um, I also was fortunate in that I had a husband who, when there was a point at which my career took off, when I was invited to run Smith Barney, it was an opportunity. I just couldn't believe I got, he couldn't believe I got, <laughs> no, I, you know, I don't think anybody could believe I got. And he said, I'm going to step back. I'm going to go to two to three days a week. I'm going to step back. And we That's did so that incredible. for a period of time. It was amazing. And, and so you can't, you know, you can't do it. If home isn't straight, you just can't. A you, you man can't do it if home isn't straight either. You know, traditionally we've been the ones who straightened it out for them. So you ha- you have to get that straight. But then the other thing: Did I feel guilty? Absolutely not. Oh. Absolutely not. Right. Because I'm going to tell you, what I my children are not in a slum. My children have food. My children have warm clothing. My children are going, getting the best education I could figure out for them. Uh, My children are healthy. And for me to do the whole, I feel so guilty, work-life balance, am I getting this right? Oh no, I was 15 minutes late for the school play. I never bought it. That my view was, I'm 15 minutes late for the school play. You're, you know, ha ha ha, I blew it again. And then everybody look at my, in fact the joke around my house, is that I am a mediocre mother at best, <laughs> at best. That on my good days, I'm mediocre. Other than that, I, you know, on the bad days, I'm not so good. I don't beat them. Seriously, I do not beat them. I do not hit them. I try not to yell at them. Here's what I do. Here's what I do, which is, and part of the reason for this is I'm not actually sure that my daughter is going to have the luxury of, should I stay home, should I not? I mean, if you've seen the boy she's dating, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> (laughs) But I don't think she's going to have that work-life balance is it perfect thing. Um, I think she's going to have to work. Mm. And so what I tried to model for my children was not look at me on time for the school play and see this cake I just baked, although I make a hell of a cake, I have to tell you. (laughs) Or I cooked on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday. No, we had plenty of takeout. What I tried to model for my children is am I... Engaged in what I'm doing? Am I fulfilled in what I'm doing? And am I making a difference in other people's lives? That's what I tried to model. The work-life balance thing—it's just—it's a, a—you never know get how there. How much
0: you just helped me right now? You never I get need there. Need to keep hearing this.
1: No, and I think it's a more powerful lesson yeah, for the kids. That's my mom. That's my dad. They are out making the world better because, because, and I learned it from my kids. There's a there's an anecdote in the book about when I took my then younger teenage son to dinner and we ran across Dick Fult, the, the then disgraced and ex-CEO of Lehman. And I remember thinking oh, this is amazing that we just saw Dick and he said hello and I'm going to teach my son about the financial crisis and Dick and Lehman and all that stuff. And we sat down, we, we got to the table, and I said, honey, that was Dick Fold, And he and my son, who's probably 14 at the time, said, you don't have to tell me who Dick Fold is. I know who Dick Fold is. And then he proceeded to tell me about the financial crisis. And I thought, that is not something we've talked about at home at all. Hmm. But he learned about it at school. And then I thought, Ay, 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 ay. I work on Wall Street. And so I said to him, you know, you know, that's what I do. That's what your dad does. And and he said, oh, I know. I Googled you. You're one of the good guys. Aww. And that moment, and I thought, and I get chills even saying mm-hmm. it right now. I had no idea he was that aware. That's, to me, the lesson you want the kids to take away. And I don't even know what you do. What do you do when your kid Googles you and says, oh, you're one of the bad guys? Yeah. Right? That's, you know, because they're they're not just picking up on what you're telling them. They have ways of learning about what's going on. And I think that's what matters.
0: That is so cool. Mm. I want to talk about the incredible kind of, because it is incredible, digital platform you created for investment. But more so this really progressive and futuristic vision. But before that, I just want to wrap up because I think it's so timely when we've seen, you know, I mean, I'm happy to say someone that I know and voted for and was excited about, um, I knew this election year would be nasty. It was uglier than I thought. Oh um, so much uglier. And how do you you are someone that also recovered and redefined yourself and mm-hmm. grew stronger and transformed from a very public quote unquote mm. failure. I don't believe oh, in yeah. failure. I
1: think it's Oh no, I got I got fired once and reorged out another how, time. How
0: did you, you know, did you hit a low? Were you like, This is gonna be fine? Did you take it hard? I mean
1: it's a really good question. Um, so, I'd say first of all, I, you know, I think I got sort of fired for the right reasons. I returned client money. So, you're like, okay, if you're going to fire me for that, you're a jerk. I don't want to work with you anyway. And then when I got reorged out, sort of the same thing. Other folks were reorged out on the same day, but the business was ahead of plan, growing and gaining share. And they gave me 20, at Bank of America, they gave me 20 minutes from the time they told me I was being reorged till it was on TV. Christ. My dad, I couldn't get him. So he found out about it on TV. So there was part of it which was, and I'm flipping the bird now. Yeah. Like, screw you. <laughs> With two hands. Screw <laughs> you. I don't, why would I want, you treat me like that? I've put my life into this. Mm-hmm. I put all my efforts into this. And yes, you paid me for it, but I put my soul into this. And you give me frickin' 20 minutes, you know, like goodbye. So, so th- there was that where I was able to, not as much at, when, at Smith Barney in City. That, that one was a little bit more of a mourning. I really loved that job. I really mourned losing the friends I had there. But by the second time, I'm like, all right, I've seen this movie before. Get the hell out of Dodge and move on. Um, in terms of the next day, um, so what I find whenever this happens to me, whenever I get fired publicly, I, I, like, I like to have a global day of feeling sorry for Sally. Um, and I, I celebrate it fully. I do not shower on that day. I accept any and all email tribute that comes in about how sorry they are it happened to me. There's typically alcohol involved in it, so it's a global day of (laughs) pity. By the second day, um, actually at Bank of America, the second day I called the members of the board and and said, thank you for the opportunity, each one of them. Thank you for the opportunity. What could I have done better? And so immediately, okay, what comes next? What what can I learn from it? Um, What can I take from it? And what comes next? And then... Beginning to think about, okay, here are my next moves, knowing I was too emotional to really make decisions, but beginning to gather information. Underlying all of this, truthfully, is a recognition that I am so lucky. That this whole, poor me, I just got fired on the front page of the Wall Street Journal is for the birds. That my worst day is better than most of the Mm world's best day. Let's face it. That if you told me when I was 12 years old, I'd... Do something and get fired on the front page of the wall street journal i would have been ecstatic i would do something that mattered enough that somebody would people would care that's pretty amazing and so understanding that privilege that we have to live in this country to have these opportunities to have these experiences and it doesn't go right all the time and then get back out there and take what we women bring in spades, which is that sense of meaning and purpose, of what am I gonna do next, right? Mm-hmm. How am I gonna impact people's lives next is really, really important. But it's funny you say that because a friend of mine, after Bank of America took me to breakfast, and said, "You're the Hillary Clinton of Wall Street." Yeah. <laughs> she said, "You've been through the wars. You know, just pick yourself up and." and <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. I know. I, won't I use know. Those exact
0: terms, I know. I, I, know. I know. It's lines. been said.
1: It's been said. So
0: you you went from a very big. Corporate, institutional yep. type of space and style and workplace. And now you're basically a surging tech, FinTech entrepreneur. I know. I mean, tell us about what you're doing now. Yeah. Um,
1: I'm so excited about it. So here, here's um, here's what I read recently, which is that we all think our life feels like it goes by faster um, when we get older. Because each year is a smaller percent of your life. And that's actually not why. It's because we stop having new experiences and so I, you know, without meaning to, have really reinvented myself about every eight to ten years. And I was a banker, and then I was a research analyst, and I was a manager, big companies, small companies. And I never defined my worth by how big my office was. It was big. Um, or by the corporate jet, which was amazing. Or the car and driver. The, you know, the one thing I really miss are the fresh-baked cookies. That, I'm like, oh, come on, those were but really, it's been more about impact. And so Elevest, which is a digital investment platform for women, has been built around a recognition that my old industry, Wall Street, we talked about before, very male. Not too surprisingly, at all, does a better job, okay, a way better job for men than it does for women. And as a result, there's something that I didn't even conceptualize till a couple years ago, but there's something called the gender investing gap. And this gender investing gap, men invest more than women do, cost women, your listeners, hundreds of thousands, some of the millions of dollars over their lives. In other words, it's life-changing. And so, you know, when I first thought of this, I actually went to the head of a big bank and said, hey, y'all should go after this. And he was like, hey, don't their husbands manage their money for them? I said, hey, I just told you they didn't. Um, And so what we've, we've worked to do here, we raised outside money, but what we've worked to do here is to build an investing platform that really meets their needs. And no, it's not having Chardonnay and eating dark chocolate and giggling about our pedicures, right? It is taking into account things like we live longer, our salaries peak unfortunately sooner, um, and that we think about investing, excuse me, not as just a means to make more money, but really as a means to reach our goals in life. It's fundamentally different orientation.
0: I really love... That mantra kind of that that logo line you have investing in a better you, investing in the future mm-hmm. you. So I think that's so I totally agree with right. you in every aspect that it's not just to be nice or something. The working mother, I mean, even people like me, there's so many people like me that don't have, you know, a very supportive husband and parents and but they're young women, they have great careers. Right. They either have one child that they're about <coughs> to mm-hmm. We are such an opportunity for businesses. Oh. Like I always say, I will put all my information online. If you can do everything from right. research, private schools, get my groceries, do ah. everything, I will give it all to you and I'll mm-hmm. pay. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's not what you're doing, but I think this aspirational yeah. vision, like building your future, helping you get those goals. It's so cool and rare and brilliant. And life-changing.
1: Um, it's life-changing, right? Money is power. Yeah. And that um, might feel like, it oh, is. that's a little awkward to say. That makes me feel weird. Money at is power. home and
0: outside of home, it's and
1: power. And we will not be equal with men until we are financially equal with men. And so I tell some women, you should do it for yourself. Because even look, I was in love in my twenties, and we were going to be married for forever. And he was my prince charming, and it was amazing. And he and my friend had different ideas. <laughs> I said, "Say, my ex husband and my ex friend had different <laughs> ideas." And you know, on top of that, men die so much earlier than we do, and so ninety percent of women manage their money on their own at some point in their lives. So you got to take control. And, and P.S., I even see it amongst some younger folks now. You know, is if, you're, if you're not financially equal, you can watch these relationships shift. And you tell me, do Absolutely. you feel better going into your boss and asking for the new assignment or even the raise or, you know, anything, right? You feel better starting your own business? Do you feel better leaving a bad personal relationship if you have more money or less? More. Okay, fine. You don't want to do it for yourself. How about your daughter? Do you really want your daughter to see you out of control financially? Do you? Mm. You don't. And there's not a man or a woman on this planet who should want that for their daughters.
0: What kind, I mean, that's an amazing point. And, And I'm sure that you've gotten both the type of feedback I'm giving you, which I think is the right feedback, this is amazing, but also some Backlash, And I hear it all the time when I, you know, I'm personally, and I don't care, you know, I have lived in a place where there are quotas, Mm -hmm. even non-traditional, I mean, kind of unspoken ones. They work. Part of it is naming and shaming. Part of it is people think this is what they have to do to be part of the mainstream. Um, So many women say, I don't want to be quoted in. I, I, don't I, know. I always say, listen, I had nothing growing up. Any line you would throw me, I would take. If it's a woman, great. If it's because I have brown hair, great. But, uh, I but hear you that must get you know. that with what you're doing, too, a bit. Like, well, why I, I get a few things. A well, so I get a few yeah. things.
1: I get a few things. So from women is so interesting. So interesting. When we first surveyed this, we had about 55% of the women we surveyed said, oh, an investing platform for women, that sounds amazing. 45% did this. I'm flipping off yeah, again.
0: Once again. Go ahead. once again.
1: Once again. Once um, again. And when we said why, they said, because I don't need something dumbed down. I don't need something that patronizes me. I don't need remedial financial education. I don't need junior varsity. We said, hold on a minute. Actually, and we see this on Facebook some, too, when we do mm-hmm. our do, do the little ads. Women will say this, and other women will go check out the site and circle back and said, hold on a second. Actually... I've done some research and this is the most advanced investing algorithm there is. This actually provides the most highly customized investment portfolios that there are. This is better in there, you know, they'll say than what's out there. And all of a sudden you say, oh, 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 well, that's interesting. Here's the part that is so depressing um, and, ugh, you know, de-energizing. Um, is that nobody has assumed four women are smarter? Nobody. They've either that's assumed, yep, yeah, good. But no one's assumed is smarter. So we'd love to break that mold a little bit. The second thing I'd say, when I thought you were going with the question, is you know what's interesting is some of the guys get angry about mm. it. I will publish. So when I first started writing on LinkedIn, it was such a happy place. I would write, this is, you know, this is where I see the banking industry going. And non-anonymous professionals would say, excellent piece, Sally. In, in addition to the outstanding points you made, I would like to add another point, you know. And then the other one, even better point, Joe. I think the way, you know, and it's like, okay, we're, we're doing this because it's non-anonymous and we're all just fine, great. Different from Twitter, different from anything else. Well, forget it, that in the past year, and we can you know, put lots of hypotheses as to why, it has gotten rude as hell, and that I will write about the gender investing gap or the gender pay gap, and it is, this is bullshit, excuse my language, this doesn't exist, this is you women whining, why can't you just, if you were as good as the men, you get paid more, and you're saying, you know I can see you, right? by the way and I I end up having to put this in my publication super fast you know quick footnote very important footnote if women earn more it's good for you too. have any women customers oh right if they earn more they could buy more stuff from you and you could do better too you know gender investing gap oh if women invest That could be capital for your business, you idiot. (laughs) You idiot. But you have to put that in. But there's that sense of on a relative base, we know what's going on. I want to be ahead, right? I I view myself relative to others. But it has changed, changed, changed in the past year.
0: I'm constantly questioning myself because I I go through these cycles where sometimes I think, well, maybe I shouldn't like – label I'm putting together an event maybe short can label a women's panel maybe mm-hmm. I should say this is an innovators panel and put four women up and I used to do that a lot right. you know, mm-hmm. even in the embassy I would create a lot of events especially around women's but then I said you know of course the classic like if you name it a women's entrepreneurship event no men come mm-hmm. so I would say it's an innovation event and right. they would all come but then I think no I don't want to do that I want to make a point you got to hammer it in and kind of call it right. what it is right and it's very hard again to know which one to do or both or and it goes to your point, and I think it's a bit sad, and I think it's going to continue this way as you know, I hate to say this, it's the 55 plus male demographic. But this is why jobs this and angry. is
1: Well, sure. and look, this is why we need to own this, yeah. right that we, you know we should be supporting each other in a way we as women have not historically. Mm-hmm. In a way that and men have historically. Yeah. That's what needs to change. I was Queen Bede. In fact, the woman who I wrote about in the book, who Queen bead me, of course, reached out to me about three <laughs> weeks ago. Haven't heard from her in years. But hey, Sally, how's it going? Want to grab a cup of coffee? I'm like, you're scared you're going to be in the book, aren't you? I'm like, It's gone to the publisher. She's like, never mind. We don't need to get together. <laughs> so funny. But we, I think, you know, lots of reasons for it lots of reasons for it. We bought into the patriarchy, right? We knew there was only one seat at the table. We, you know, liked being the one. I mean, all kinds of reasons it could have been for. We need to get, just get over that. You know what? Right. And if the guys don't want to come to our panel, fine. Don't come. We're going to learn this great stuff. We're going to use this great stuff. But Uh, I think what's got to change is, and what is changing, and I'm seeing this among young women, and particularly young entrepreneurs, it's good for more women to be successful. Sure, in corporate America, if there was one seat at the table at the board of directors, you didn't want another woman to take your seat. But think about it. It's great for another woman to get funded. Mm. That's great, right? Because VCs, venture capitalists, look for pattern recognition. It's great for them to get funded so that, okay, fine, then I'll fund another, and I'll fund another. That'll be terrific.
0: What's the one thing that you wish could be done or changed kind of procedurally within the business world or even politically that you think would make a big difference in Mand- terms of diversity? Mandated parental leave. I totally agree.
1: Mandated parental leave. Mm. That um, it is a crime, a crime that, what is it, about 20% of American companies have parental and by parental, I really do mean maternal leaves and that there are women out there. I've had, you've had a child. I've had a child. It hurts. <laughs> it takes a while to recover from and this whole idea that, you know, you got to go back two days later or you have to take your sick leave. And, and that's before we talk about getting the kids straight, mm. you know, making sure the kid is healthy, making sure a lot of bad stuff can happen. Mm. When, when a child is a baby, life can be fragile. And you know that we then rip these families apart is outrageous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've just thought about it wrong. We've thought about maternal leave as being an expense. No, it's an investment. Because if women have that time and families have that time, the longer the leave you have, the more likely women are to come back to work. The more likely they are to earn money, mm-hmm. But oh, by the way, there's recent research that shows that mandated maternal leaves pay for themselves within one year. because if, you know if you have to come back right away, I you're going to quit. You're just, a lot of you're going to quit. And so you, the company is going to have to spend the 200 percent of her salary to find somebody and train somebody. But if we have these, these leaves, it's an investment, and they come back, they earn money, it goes into the economy, they invest in their 401k. They contribute to Social Security. The thing friggin' pays for itself. But yet we somehow have this view, we're rugged Americans, you know, in the wild, wild west. Right? And we take care of our own. But it's just, it's just criminal. It's criminal. Trust
0: me. I always say living in Sweden was the best thing that happened to kind of my marriage and my family life. Because my husband, not that he wasn't open to it, not that, but in Washington he did not see like he did in Europe and especially in the Nordic countries CEOs founders men hosting the dinner party doing the dishes and on leave right walking the prams you know there's New York Times joke stories about like Sweden's cafe latte papas but you know it's there, and it's a social pressure, it's, and it's a norm. But it's good it's for it's the awesome. men. Yes, they love it. it. You know, that's what they, they have we, so much fun. So let's
1: let's pause for a second because I'll tell you, and and I've been thinking about this a lot with the election of Trump, and the, um, the role model that the president of the United States is for, particularly mm-hmm. for young men, and that masculinity that having to be certain, never being wrong, right? Always being confident. That is so appealing, as we've seen. It's just an appealing characteristic for every human. But boy, what a tough way to spend your life. And where I'm really seeing it is in my generation, as kids go away to college, what I'm finding the women are doing is, okay, well this is, I got lots of time, I still feel young, I'm in great shape, And I'm going to explore and I'm going to start a company or I'm going to start a consulting firm or I'm going to freelance here. I'm going to try. I'm going to be on some advisory boards. I can't tell you how many of my friends are exploring and and learning and finding the guys. No, they are in that job. Mm -hmm. They do that job. They're in that job. And when you talk to them about a startup, the younger guys, okay, you know, I'm open for it. But I feel like this toxic masculinity of I have mm-hmm. to be the strong man is killing them. I mean, it's giving them heart attacks.
0: That's such an interesting point. And thank you. You fit me in at the end of a long day. So I'm just going to ask you. This has been so yeah. good. But one last question just to wrap it up. What is something that... You wish you'd known at 25 or 30 or 35 that you know now that you could have just don't to-
1: marry the first husband. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's very valid.
1: <clears throat> really important stuff. Important stuff.
0: How old were you when you, do- you got
1: married? Actually, I, I was 23. Really, yeah, like can me. you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> a crazy, crazy, so in love, so in love, um, and full of hormones. Um, <laughs> what do I wish? I, you know, I think it's a little bit of. So my 20s were a wasteland. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't, I was in the marriage that was great and then, then fell apart. And I couldn't find what I wanted to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't like being an investment banker. I wasn't a very good investment banker. And I just sort of felt like I'm going to be a complete failure. And this, and to, to be able to go back in time and say it is, it really is a journey. Mm-hmm. It's a journey. And that... This year isn't going to be a great year professionally, but three years from now is going to be fantastic. And, and to almost be a student of yourself, I know mm-hmm. this sounds really weird, no. but to sort of keep a running tally, which I finally, it all came together for me at the age of 29, which is what do you, what do you like to do? Well, I like, I like building earnings models. I like writing. I like being around smart people. I don't really, at the time, I didn't really like being on teams. Hmm. You know, I know that's like, what? Everybody likes teams. I, I just didn't, I just wanted to be more independent at that point. And, and it was really sort of keeping this running tally over years that, ah, I should be an equity research analyst and then my career went vertical. Um, and, but that didn't last for forever. After a while, you know what? I've sort of done this, What what's next? And so, you know, it's a journey. It's a fun journey. Every year is not great. Um, I like to say, you know, success is not final and failure is not fatal. Mm-hmm. And just pick yourself up and, and remember again, you know, the final message would be we're so privileged. And I don't mean in the, that mm-hmm. term of, you know, wearing the little um, snotty bow ties, mm-hmm. but in that, you know, we could have been born in a different era. We could have been born to different parents. We could have had different opportunities. Mm-hmm. But we, we got the, as professionals, we got these opportunities. And so we really don't want to forget our responsibility to g- give it back. Mm-hmm. Give it back. Whether we give it back, you know, by giving away to nonprofits, give it back um, by helping younger people, somehow feeding that our good fortune back into society is so important.
0: Thank you so much, Sally. Thank you.
1: Thank you for coming by on a snowy
0: day.